Hi, hi, intellectuals. On the fifth episode of IP Talks, the first segment, Industrial Designs, was discussed using the case study of Kai Collective. And in the second segment, we discussed geographical indications using an example of palm wine to see how geographical indications can be registered in Nigeria. Happy Independence Day and enjoy! Welcome to IP Talks, a podcast for everyone, and most especially intellectual property enthusiasts, creatives, inventors, innovators, and business owners. We solely discuss intellectual property-related matters and how it affects you and I. IP Talks is presented to you by the Intellectual Property Law Society of Lagos State University and is hosted by me, Epun Brymore. All right, intellectuals, welcome to the fifth episode of IV Talks. And on this episode, like I said, the first segment is going to be industrial designs and the second segment is going to be geographical indications. So thank you for tuning in and um, thank you for playing the previous episodes. I saw that my threat from the last episode made people play it, but no big start for you though. (laughs) All right, it is very, very important to listen to the previous episodes so that you can understand the distinctions that are going to be made between these not so popular types of intellectual property rights and then the popular ones that has been discussed previously okay let's get right into it oh first off happy independence day to nigeria 61 today to our nigerian audience happy independence day i guess let's not get into that so let's just go straight to industrial designs Industrial designs is um, an aspect of the electoral property law that focuses on the ornamental aspect of a product so um it focuses on the three-dimensional features and the two-dimensional features the three-dimensional features of a product might include the bottle or the outward appearance of the product for example the shape of the coke or fanta bottle is um, a three-dimensional feature that can be protected by industrial designs and um, the two-dimensional features include patterns lines and colors of a product industrial designs can also be the combination of the three-dimensional features and then the two-dimensional features it doesn't focus on technicality and functionality that is for patent it just focuses on the outward appearance of the particular product so um industrial designs is extremely significant in the fashion industry because it protects the way the dress looks and the patterns and the designs on such a dress. The industrial designs in Nigeria is protected by the Patent and Design Act and um, you can register your industrial designs if you are an original creator. Something very, very important to note about industrial designs is that it protects the aesthetic features of a product. So for this intellectual property right it sees the importance of the outlook of a product in driving commercialization so that is why it is very very important so for example now people are drawn to the way a certain product looks maybe the um let's say okay let me think of a very very interesting product that i love the design so much okay like the fanta bottle the fanta bottle is very cute if you are being honest so that may draw people to buy fanta just because the color is fun it's um 
the shape is very nice so it drives commercialization that's why it is a very very important aspect of intellectual property for registration the right to register your industrial designs is vested on the creator but the first to file rule applies so even if you are the owner of the um, or you are the first creator of the industrial design but you did not register it uh, another person goes to register it uh, the person that f- first of all registered it would enjoy better benefits over you that originally created it so if you have a very very good industrial design it is very very advisable for you to register it and in a situation where a true owner exists where you're not the <clears throat> true owner of the industrial design for example now the design for let's say kia might not have been originally done by an employee of kia it might have been done by somebody outside for example now when yeezy designed adidas the industrial design for the adidas shoe of course it doesn't belong to adidas it belongs to yeezy in a sense but because of their contractual agreements and all that so it is very very important for you to seek the permission of the true owner before registering your industrial design and now what are the standards for industrial designs okay like patents you know we said the um the standards has to be newness um functionality industrial application but for industrial designs newness and originality so like it's combining features and standards from copyright and patent and then it must not be contrary to public order this one is very very interesting because other standards do not usually include this so if you have an industrial design you have to make sure that it's not contrary to public order so uh, if you have designs for like a genital I don't know if dildos are protected by industrial designs but according to this rule that means they will not be protected because it is contrary to public order all right <laughs> i don't know about that though but that's just my personal opinion and then um, the duration for industrial designs it lasts for five years mm, very short right but it can be extended for two separate five years period so the total period for protection is just 15 years yeah and after that to be in public domain of course what are the benefits of industrial designs the success or failure of your product might sometimes rely on the outlook of your product so it's an important aspect of commercialization it's it is not overlooked by marketers it is a very very important aspect of people being attracted to your products to buy it so it is very very important for you to protect that your industrial designs so that other people in the market will not use it in such a way that will be detrimental to your commercial benefits and apart from that it gives you exclusive rights like every other intellectual property right it gives the owner exclusive rights to do whatever they want with their designs and um like i said earlier it helps with marketing and commercialization and revenue generation also now what is the difference between industrial designs copyright trademark and patent so copyright is an exclusive right given to the creator of a work over a musical artistic or literary work if you've not listened to the copyright episode you can always go back to listen to it it protects um the owner from being exploited yeah prevents exploitative tendencies and um the owner has the right to reproduce publish and do certain work and uh, act on their work 
But industrial design does not relate to musical or artistic. Um, okay, well, it relates to artistic works, but artistic works in two-dimensional and three-dimensional aspects. It does not necessarily prevent them um, it does not come with other rights industrial designs don't come with other rights like right to publish right to um, perform or whatever like copyright does industrial design just goes to protect the physical and ornamental aspect of the product yeah so it is not the exclusive right that is granted by copyright basically it is an aspect of IP that just protects the ornamental aspect of a certain product. So copyright does not protect the ornamental aspect of the product. Well, it might protect some words on your product, yeah, but it doesn't protect the outlook or the colors of your product, basically. Then trademark, okay. Since trademark distinguish a product from another product, industrial designs might perform some fun- some similar functions as trademark. But they do not mean the same thing. A trademark includes signs, logos that is capable of distinguishing a good from another good. But industrial designs include three-dimensional and two-dimensional aspects of the product of a design. It includes the ornamental aspect, the entire design itself, and not just a certain logo or a certain color on the design. But of course, commercial um, organizations combine industrial designs and trademark to give them product the overall distinctive look patent okay you know i discussed design patents in the previous episode so this is where the problem comes in but patent protects the functionality of the product it protects an invention industrial designs just protects the outlook they work hand in hand though for example now if um kia produces a car that can run on water yeah that's to have a distinctive design like the three-dimensional aspect of the car has to have distinctive design that no other person would be able to use book here so that is it basically and then the protection is granted by the patent and design act and then um, other protection protection is territorial though like every other ip right hopefully there'll be um legislations that make it less territorial but it is territorial and it is if you want protection in other countries you have to register in each countries but you can use the Hague system the global design database Hague express and Locano classification to get protection in other countries now let's go to the kai collective case so kai collective are sued uh in 2021 kai collective are sued boohoo they've sued fendi publicly and they are undergoing litigation with other small design companies just on the low okay what is kai collective so kai collective is a fashion brand that is um directed by okay well i think fisayo longe is the owner of the brand it is black owned by fisayo longe and they produce these distinctive dresses that have this patterns originally started off as a robe but he turned it into a dress I don't know if anybody has seen this popular Thames picture where she was wearing the red aspect of the Kai Collective. Like, it's a very, very distinctive um, design that when you see it, you know, okay, this is Kai Collective. So, on today's episode of the big guys ripping off a fast rising talent, <laughs> Boohoo 
incorporated the colors and lines on Kai Collective on one of their products. Now, this print is called the GIA print. That is G-A-I-A print. And this print has been causing trouble because it is very, very distinctive and beautiful. Now, Boohoo has now incorporated it in other designs. I don't want to say with white people wearing it. I don't want to seem like I see color, but <laughs> they stripped up the blackness and put it on white people. I, I'm so sorry I sound like this, but like... <laughs> So they, they are ripping off a fast rising talent and as she becomes more popular, as your products become more popular, infringement is just, I don't know, inevitable. So that's why it's very, very advisable for fast rising talent, most especially to get a lawyer to help you evaluate all these things, preferably an IP lawyer, so that you don't get caught up in all these infringement issues and then you lose your identity because the design is distinctive and everybody wants to rip off it the gear prints actually so in february she called out to boohoo but boohoo did not respond publicly um she she said they stole her designs basically or they infringed on her designs that's a more appropriate term and um she said that um she has registered the design in uk and us and it had a lot of monetary obligations on her part it demanded a lot of monetary obligations on her part so she she would have to sue them and all that she sued for copyright infringement which was very very i don't know strange to me because it's a two-dimensional aspect and an ornamental aspect of your dress why are you suing for copyright infringement I really do not understand the copyright infringement part, but that was what she sued for. And uh, the matter just died down, though, because, you know, negotiations happened in March. Yeah, so they probably settled that because she was demanding about $30,000 from Boohoo. So they would have entered negotiations and settlements. Now, after recovering from the Boohoo saga in... um, I think in July 2021, another infringement matter happened. Okay, first of the boo infringement matter happened in. Okay, they started using the designs in January 2021 after she had re- released the summer collection in 2020. So they, they started the infringement in 2021 and then she sued in February and then negotiations ended in March. <laughs> I hope it was profitable for her though. Now, the Fendi collection for Kim Jones um, for the result in 2021, the Fendi's collection infringed again on Kai Collective's um, designs. They used the GIA designs again. She sued them saying that if the designs are released, like she barred them from releasing the designs, that if they are released, she would take up um, mitigation against them. Just like she did with... Um, was brand boohoo she said if they do not stop producing the um the products she's going to enter in litigation with them so she also told fendi that if you are going to use these designs for your results 2022 collection you are begging for trouble so just don't release it so well that was in july 2021 i'm sure they would have settled of course 
these big brands they have money now you know so like i said and she said she's even still undergoing litigation with another small brand but she doesn't want to lock down because i mean they're not so popular anyway so it's very very important as design owners as business owners to take industrial designs very very important because if imagine if um boohoo used it she didn't say anything Fendi uses it. She didn't say anything. She didn't sue. She didn't call to sue. She didn't call them out. They would keep on infringing on her um, design patterns. And then it would become a generic design that anybody can just have access to. Because it takes a lot of creativity to come up with all these designs. And to her, she said it's more than just the patterns or the fabric that it brews spirituality and all that like she attaches sentiment to her designs so imagine just seeing it everywhere and then you are like ah there is no particular source to trace it back to there is no particular commercial benefit coming to the designer then it would have just been a waste so intellectual property rights come in to protect creatives and business owners from all this type of infringement cases okay so that is it on the industrial design segment i hope you enjoyed it bye welcome to the second segment of the fifth episode and on this segment we are going to be discussing geographical indications so i love geographical indications so much i would like to declare my dying love for it it's one of my favorite aspects of intellectual property law and i like it so much because of the um the impact it could have on a country's economy and how it could help spread the goodwill of a country so let's go straight into it geographical indications are signs that are used on a product that have a distinctive or specific geographical origin so it is used to signify that this product is from this place and it has this certain quality that no other product from other countries could specifically have for example swiss watches swiss watches okay i don't know if you know about swiss watches but they are very very distinctive and they are known for their qualities so it is a geographical indication that is used to imply that this watch has this certain quality because it's from Switzerland. And other watches from Switzerland might not specifically have this quality. So just get the Swiss watch instead. There are other um, geographical indications such as Roquefort cheese, champagne and all that. So it just it's just a sign that is used to identify that a product is originated from a specific place and it has certain qualities as a result of its origin so what are the benefits of geographical indications it enables those who have the right to use it to prevent third parties from using it basically so if you have a geographical indication you are stopping other people from using it um it might take time and cost here but it has a lot of benefits it prevents free riding i don't know if anybody knows about the malaysia and nigeria thing on palm oil so originally yeah, the method for doing or for producing oil from palm trees originated from nigeria but malaysia in the 1990s came to nigeria and learned the methods and they also devised some other ways because their climate there could not specifically grow the palm trees that way so they devised a lot of strategies came to nigeria to steal the methods and then went back to their country 
to utilize it. Currently, Malaysia is the biggest exporter of palm oil and oils and even we Nigerians import from Malaysia. It's very absurd because it's basically fair riding. If geographical indications existed to protect palm oil as like it's a Nigerian palm oil, then Malaysia would not have been able to exploit Nigeria. But like that happened and that is sad and apart from that it's an intangible asset and it can be used without restriction ah so interesting you know other intellectual property rights have oh after this duration you cannot use it after this you cannot do that geographical indications just exist without restrictions like they exist forever and ever and ever you can keep on using them and apart from that it prevents registration by third party so if malaysia decides to register palm oil today they are a third party here they came to nigeria to steal their methods and to get the quality of the nigerian palm oil and oil but like if they register it well 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 nigeria doesn't have it registered as a gi so yeah and then it limits the risk of the indication becoming a generic term so instead of it to just be okay everywhere in free domain like it brings the origin of the product back to your country so gis have a lot of benefits for countries that they're able to tap into it apart from that apart from swiss watches and um roquefort cheese and all that we also have the mexican tequila and um, the champagne and all that so geographical indications are very very important aspect of intellectual property rights and it is an area that is not utilized properly in nigeria so there are no legislations or sui generis system that helps to encourage geographical indications so yeah that's why we're not using local laws for this basically now there is geographical indications and there is appellations of origin yeah that exists but i don't know they have their distinctions but it is not so pronounced so appellations of origin are special kinds of gis gis are geographical indications so they are not distinctive geographical indications is just like the umbrella body that covers appellations of origin appellations of origin ensure that the product has a specific quality or characteristics that is exclusive to that place so if you are producing mexican tequila for it to be an appellations of origin that specific product has to have the quality of um, a tequila it must have that quality that characteristics of a tequila so if um geographical indication just covers all the tequilas in mexico for appellations of origin to apply it must have that high quality that makes it so distinctive from every other type of um drink from other countries so it just establishes a specific right or a system for geographical indications um apart from the benefits i've listed earlier geographical indications also has benefits such as consumers and marketing rural development most people think geographical indications apply to agricultural products actually it does apply to agricultural products mostly but other things can be covered by geographical indications such as um designs handicrafts um and other things because well food stuff too can be covered by 
geographical indications, wines and spirits, champagnes, tequilas covered by geographical indications, even teas. There's this tea from India too that is protected by GI. So it is not just limited to agricultural products. And that way it bolsters rural development. In Nigeria, we produce a lot of things. For my SME essay, I wrote about small medium enterprises from the perspective of people in the rural area. They produce palm wine, they produce adirer, they produce um, a lot of very, very interesting things, beads, the canoe, I said canoe, the benin beads, all those things could be protected by geographical indications. So, like, it holds a lot of benefits and it is just so amazing. So, if we are able to protect this product, apart from the fact that we are going to get commercial benefits from it, it will also push the goodwill of the country in other countries, like globally. Imagine if Nigeria is known for its adire. There is something good to associate with Nigeria. So you'll be like, okay, the Nigerian adire, the Nigerian tie and die. Like it's specific and nice. And it will also prevent third parties, third parties in the fashion industry, in other countries from infringing on the geographical indications but since it is not registered all these things are in free domain and it is very very scary because anybody can just wake up and take advantage of it <laughs> okay so gis and other types of intellectual property law of course gis has to do with um, a specific sign so that distinguishes a product from another product or points out to its origin so yeah if you've listened to the previous episodes you know that okay this sounds like trademark Mm. although gis and trademarks have the same function which is distinguishing a product from another product they do not perform the same functions they have the same functions but they have distinctive functions (laughs) okay let me just stop the confusion right now so you know trademark is a distinctive sign that is used to distinguish the um, product of a company from another company GI is to function in a capacity, but instead of companies, it is used to distinguish countries. So, for example, if there is a GI on Mexican tequila, there cannot be a trademark on Mexican tequila because Mexico is a country and not a company. But if a specific company now produces their own Mexican tequila, like let's say Ebro's Mexican tequila then it will be protected by trademark because it is my company but it will be subject to trademark and gi protection in a way so they can work concurrently they have the same functions but they do not do the same thing so it's gis point out to a product originating from a particular place why trademark points to a product originating from a particular country trademark can only be used by the company no other company can use it if you listen to the trademark episode you will know that having this mark excludes other people from using this mark but for gis every other citizen of the country producing it can definitely utilize the mark okay so how do you develop gis if nigeria wants to say okay you know what i'm tired of having my things exploited by people from other country and i want to have geographical indication protection for my goods and services a lot of african countries have adopted it actually and nigeria is locking behind again giant of africa okay so I'm going to use the example of palm wine because it's a distinctive wine from Africa, just like champagne or tequila. Okay, so if 
you want to do it you have to recognize that these steps concurrently exist they do not exist independent of each other the first step is that the country has to develop a comprehensive geographical indication scheme Mm -hmm. in order for the country to have um, a gi protection in order to generate brand equity or have a positive impact on rural development the country has to develop a very very comprehensive geographical indication scheme like what would it consist of what products would be protected how would they go about it how would they make sure that it is imported exported how will it be produced like all those things they have to be taken into consideration and it has to be under a comprehensive geographical indication scheme and then the next thing to do is to identify the product characteristics now palm wine what characteristics does it have that distinguishes it from the wines from other countries for example, champagne became champagne because of the production method. So apart from the normal red wine that was made during the time, champagne had distinctive fermentation and all that. So that's why it became champagne. So what would distinguish palm wine from other wines of other countries? For example, the way it is tapped, the way it is assessed, the way it is fermented has the ability to do that and apart from that the next step is strengthening cohesion of group producers so if um you want to protect palm wine yeah you just bring together everybody all these palm wine tappers and then you strengthen their cohesion like you make sure that they produce at very very high capacity you create maybe like a community for them to create more wines and all that all through nigeria and then um, setting up standards for the wine and then a code of practice and a registration of use so in order for the wine to have like the quality that would make it remarkable in the global market you have to set a standard for it like okay this palm wine must taste this way it must look this way it must be very very white and then the code of practice like you cannot produce more than five thousand bars a day if you are using this thing you have to plant more trees stuff like that and apart from that you should devise a mechanism for effective attribution that is the right use of the indication by any producer so if i want to set up my palm wine company now um there'll be a way i can get a right to use the geographical indication consistent of palm wine and then establishing traceability so that anytime this wine is seen in other countries they know that okay yes it is from nigeria and then you can devise marketing strategies and obtain legal protection and of course the country has to have like a very very comprehensive legislation on geographical indication so if the country is able to do all these things they can have a geographical indication and register it and of course geographical indications are territorial yeah a swiss generis um legislation has to be made there are different ways of protecting gis um you could have a swiss generis system like i said um they can use collective or certification marks and then there is a method of focusing on business practices including administrative pro- product approval schemes okay yeah that makes sense and apart from that there is international frameworks such as 
the Paris Convention for Protection of Industrial Property, Madrid Agreement for the Repression of False or Deceptive Indication of Source of Goods and the Trips Agreement. Okay, so that brings us to the end of the fifth episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you have an amazing, amazing weekend and a beautiful month ahead. Um, congratulations to the new members of the IPLS Society. And um, if you're around for our mentorship series, it was it was amazing. We had Sandra Eke and then she discussed the possibilities of becoming an um, intellectual property lawyer, the job opportunities open to you. You don't have to just work in a law firm. Imagine if you be a GI expert. You could be working with the government to help improve it. You could be working in companies to help them secure trademark. Just some companies have very, very huge IP portfolios like Let's say a company like Nestle, they have different products. That's a very, very comprehensive IP portfolio. You could be managing that. There are a lot of possibilities for you as an IP lawyer. And if you wish to learn more about IP, you can always join our sessions every first and last Friday of every month. But this month, we will not have it in the first and last Friday because, I mean, public holiday. So next week, you can join us. And it will be very, very amazing. So you know where to catch us, IPLS on Instagram, IPLS Tassu on instagram and ip lasso on twitter and um intellectual property law society on linkedin and yeah you can also leave me a voice message so have a lovely lovely day thank you for tuning in bye